Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The call came early on a Sunday morning. And my buddy normally would have been at worship. He would have been at church. But all week long, the dog had been getting sick and and he didn't want to come home to a really nasty mess. And so he stayed home on this particular Sunday morning. And that's when the call came. He'd been praying. As he looked at his phone, he prayed again that he would be ready to receive the news. See, my friends, whom I'll call Townsend and Ruby, they had been waiting, agonizingly waiting for weeks, months, even a year in order to hear news of their adopted child. They've been waiting to hear that the day might come when they would be able to receive a baby of their own. But they didn't know when it was going to happen, when they were going to get the call. They knew neither the day nor the hour, you might say. And so they just had to stay ready. They had to stay vigilant. They never knew when that moment was was going to happen. But then suddenly, they get a call, actually a text message. Townsend does. And he looks at his phone and he prays. When he sees, he finds out from his counselor, call right now. There's some really important news. And the next thing he finds out is a mom is in labor. She's chosen you guys to be the parents. Are you ready to pick up the baby on Tuesday? (laughs) Can you imagine? Just like that. And in a twinkling of an eye, everything changes. Now, this happened just recently. And so I was talking with my friends because I realized in preacher mode, I'm like, wait a second. You guys have, like, the perfect preparation for the return of Jesus. They're like, oh, cool, thanks. I said, no, no, wait with me here. Because, listen, Jesus tells his parable today. He talks about the the wise and the foolish virgins. And they are both awaiting the coming of the bridegroom. But they know neither the day nor the hour. Hopefully they knew the day, right? But just bear with us here. They don't know exactly when it's going to happen. And Jesus tells the story in order to point forward to his coming, to his return, and to say that now, as you and I are awaiting the return of the bridegroom, we don't know the day or the hour. When is he going to come again? And so Jesus says the the upshot of that story is stay awake, watch, keep vigil, be ready, because his return could come at any time. And so I said to my friends, you guys are like, better prepared for the return of Jesus than most of us are because you've had this practice of being ready knowing neither the day nor the hour and so I kind of interviewed them and asked them what what have been some of the, the habits the disciplines that you have kept with you in order to make it through that time of waiting and what they told me was so profound and beautiful that I thought we'd be able to make some connection points between their experience of waiting to adopt and our experience of waiting not for a baby, but for a bridegroom. So here's the first thing that the mom, Ruby, said to me. She said, what's really important is your perspective. So you've gotta have the right perspective. She said, if you're so focused on the short term, on like right now, is the baby coming today? Is the baby coming today? Is the baby coming right now? Is it coming right now? She said, it'll just be totally overwhelming. You're never going to be able to focus. Conversely, if you're so far in the distant future that you just forget all about it, then you're not going to be ready, are you? So instead, she said, she tried to adopt a posture and a perspective where she was looking to what she called the mid-distance. The mid-distance, where you are looking ahead to, okay, what's the next day? 
the next week, the next month hold? How do I have to be ready for that? In other words, kind of playing that long game, knowing that it could be a while before they finally got that call and the baby was coming. They just had to be ready, recognizing that they didn't want to forget all about it, but neither be overwhelmed looking right in front of them. And to me, I think there's real application for us as believers, too, because as we are awaiting the coming of, of the bridegroom, listen, there's plenty of things happening in our world, and there are people on the radio and on the news that are saying, today's the day when Jesus is coming, right? Like, if you just follow what's happening, surely it's ha- our Lord is returning any moment. And it's like, okay, good, all right, so I'm on, I'm, I'm on the watch, I'm ready, I'm on, when's it going to happen? But if you just constantly live in that state of vigilance, of, of over-heightened vigilance, it's going to wear you out. In fact, church history tells the tales, one sad tale after another, of Christians who were sure, who were certain that Jesus was coming right today. And when he didn't, well, when he didn't, they ended up like Linus in the Great Pumpkin, right? Just kind of disillusioned. Where are you? But neither do we want to have that look where we just totally forget about the return of our Lord Jesus. Think, ah, is he really coming back at all? And just go about your daily life as though he was never returning. Instead, we want to live with eyes set on that mid-distance, ever looking to the horizon, awaiting the coming of our King, even as we carry out our day-to-day. And as believers, this is, this is what we do together as the church. Sunday by Sunday, season by season, we're awaiting the coming of our King, kindling hope and keeping vigil. It's just like Connie always says, one day at a time, keep praying, right, Connie? One day at a time, keep praying. That's the perspective we need. And that brings us to the second thing that Ruby shared with me that has sustained her and brought her through the season of waiting. Not only having that perspective, but also what she called a daily surrender. A daily surrender. Because the the seductive temptation for Townsend and for Ruby was that they might be able to try and take control of the situation. Like maybe they could kind of game the whole system and, and figure out how can we make sure that we get the right baby, the one that we want, we get it right now. There would be this temptation, in other words, to try and take control. But she said, peace came with that daily surrender of praying to the Lord, Lord, if you don't orchestrate this, we cannot. We are poor conductors in ourselves. But we need you to orchestrate your timing and in your ways. And with that daily prayer came peace. Lord, you need to make us ready. Help us to be ready when and how at your perfect timing. And he did. And he does. And here again, for us as followers of Jesus who are keeping vigil, looking forward to our Lord's return, it's so tempting, isn't it, to try and claim control over life. I often return to the acronym that my wife Ann would use when she was a teacher, and the acronym was PICNIC. She said that she was a PICNIC. Person in charge, not in control. Hmm? Person in charge, not in control. And she used that as a teacher, but I think we could all adopt that just as like daily life. And we might even say, I'm not so sure I'm in charge even. (laughs) But certainly not in control. And throughout the scriptures, God's people recognize this. Think about the the plaintive cries of the Psalms over and over again, crying out to God, saying, how long, O Lord, are you going to act? I need you to come down and fix this thing. 
where we and I get into trouble is when we think that we've got to take charge and we've got to be in control, that we're going to seize the reins of all eternity. But instead, the Savior summons us to a daily surrender to hand these things over to Him. We do it in prayer. When we talk about prayer, we often think of prayer as a means of thanksgiving, of adoration, of petitions, and it's all those. But prayer is also surrender. It's waving the white flag. <laughs> Saying, Lord, I can't figure this out. I can't do this, but, but you can. And I trust in you. I lean on you. I love the prayer of an old pope. I don't often quote popes, but this one had a good prayer, supposedly. Pope John the 23rd, I think it was. And supposedly he would pray each night as he went to bed. He would say, Lord, I've done everything that I can today for the faithful, for my own faith, but it's your church, it's your faith, and I'm going to bed. <laughs> Amen to that? We're picnics. We're people in charge sometimes, but we're most certainly not in control. There's one more thing that Townsend shared, which I just thought was so profound. So in addition to having that perspective, as well as that daily surrender, Townsend said that you also need a truthful community. A truthful community. Because he said he was constantly being berated and barraged by all of these lies that he could believe and listen to. Lies that, that he doesn't deserve a baby. That he wouldn't be a good enough dad. That's why he hasn't, doesn't have one yet. Lies about his identity. Lies about his hope. It's never going to happen. You think that someday that these hopes are actually going to be fulfilled? Forget about it. Those whispering lies of the father of lies, the evil one. That's who Satan is, see? And so Townsend said that the antidote to that, what he needed more than anything else, was a community, a truthful community of his fellow believers to come alongside him and to speak what is true. To remind him, he said, of what is true to counteract those lies, to remind him of who he is in Christ, that he is a beloved, baptized believer, that God's intent for you and me is good and not for ill. I know the plans that I have for you, God says in Jeremiah 29, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for your shalom, for your good, the promises of God. Now, we can recite those and repeat those to ourselves until we're blue in the face, but oftentimes, many times, we need to hear that word, not just in our own brain, not just spoken to ourselves. We need to hear that word out of the mouth of one another. And so Ruby and Townsend said they needed that truthful community. And so for all of us Christians, as we are awaiting the coming of our bridegroom, we need that community. You know, it strikes me that in the parable, as Jesus tells the story, it's not just one wise virgin and one foolish virgin, but there's five apiece. And I think, among other things, he's conveying to us the utter necessity of community. That community is, is something we have to have as followers of Jesus. But not only that, it's necessary, but it's not sufficient. Because, of course, the foolish ones also had community. We need a truthful community. Fellow followers of Christ who can come alongside one another, build each other up, reassure each other of the promises of God especially when it's hard, as we are all together, waiting together for the coming of our King. 
Ruby said one last thing. She said that all throughout the waiting, she couldn't lose sight of what it was they were waiting for. That what they were looking forward to, what they were waiting, awaiting, was a celebration, a reunion with the child they didn't even yet know. And when that day finally came, she said, all of the waiting was worthwhile. For you and me, as we keep vigil in this time, as we await the coming of our King, it is hard. There are days when we just block it out altogether and we think, is he ever going to come? Where the evil one wants to, to tell us and lie to us and say, it's not happening. Why are you waiting for, for the Lord? You might as well just be like, line us out in the pumpkin patch. Forget about it. You crazy Christians, you're pathetic. It's so easy to listen to those lies about our Lord and about ourselves, to follow down those false primrose paths, to keep our perspective off and to, for, to try and take hold of things that we can't take hold of. And in doing so, and trying to keep that control, just making our lives even worse. But instead, the summons of our Savior is the same as it's always been. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And in that rest, you find the hope, the hope of his coming. Week by week, we gather to receive this foretaste of the feast, the one that's promised. When our Savior comes again, not as a baby, but as a bridegroom and invites you and me and all his faithful into that marriage feast of the lamb that has no end and the call could come anytime. It just might come today. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.